it's been great to watch some of the videos of uh, people that have come here to Canada, to Alberta, to Edmonton, and to Gateway Alliance Church from all over the world and have become part of a community here. You know, it's, it is amazing. I really feel God is doing something unique and significant and special in this community. And uh, Felix, who we just saw there on, on the, the screen, Felix was, a, as he said, he was a pastor of a church in Venezuela. And because of the current political situation there um, and so on, they had, his family had to leave. I mean, do you realize that it's a real asset for a church to have sitting in the congregation, and we have it, numerous people who were pastors in other places. Uh, some of the Africans had been pastors in, in, in the countries that they had come from and had to flee because of genocide and so on that were taking place. And they came here and they found a church where they were just going to be a member of the congregation, but because they had a heart for God, they just wanted to serve. And the Lord has brought people here from all over, and uh, you're going to get a, a little taste of that, literally. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And after the service, you're going to get to taste and see that Indonesian food is good, taste and see that Canadian poutine is good, and taste and see all the different foods from around the world that are represented in our congregation here is going to be out there afterwards. And uh, so, so you have permission to culturally appropriate as much as you want, okay? And you know, that is the huge difference from the kingdom of God and everything else. In the world, they try to create multicultural communities, and you know what they end up creating? Division, disunity, rules and regulations. You can't wear a sombrero on Halloween, that's racist. You know, it's all these rules about, well, it's not a multicultural community then, it's a lot of cultures keeping to themselves. But you know what God does in the kingdom of God? He redeems people from every nation, tribe, and tongue and makes them one family. One family. And so we have a multi, a multicultural, multilingual, multiculinary family here at Gateway. And we get to celebrate this amazing mix that God is bringing about. And you know, this is the huge shift in the Bible from the Old Testament to the New Testament, from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. Because in the Old Covenant, God made a covenant with one man. His name was Abraham. And God said, you and all of your descendants will be part of my community. And so eventually his descendants became the 12 tribes of Israel. And they were, for a long period of time, they were located in one geographical area. They had one language. They had one culture. They had one expression of their faith. And all of the other nations had their own culture, their own religion, their own language, and everything else, and it was all separate. Until the new covenant came. Because when Jesus came... The Bible doesn't say 
for God so loved the nation of Israel or the 12 tribes of Israel that he sent his son. The Bible doesn't say for God so loved one group of people that he sent his son. The Bible says for God so loved the the whole world that he sent his son that whoever believes in him Scottish people, African people, Indonesian people, people from every culture, people from every religious background, people from every language group. If anyone will believe in him, they shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And they are born into the family of God. And all of a sudden we realize, you know, it's kind of like you're in a family. Say you're in a family and you've got six siblings. Could you imagine if everyone spoke a different language, had a different culture, was a di had a different skin tone, and so that is the family of God. And yet one family united together, loving one another, with one father, with one thing in common. Every one of us were once lost, and we were found. We were once blind, and now we see. We were once without a savior, and then he, the good shepherd searched throughout the whole world until he found you and he brought you into the sheepfold. And we're going to take communion in just a moment because communion is that thing that in which we acknowledge the fact that we are many different individuals, all with our own unique individual relationship with God and faith in God and life journey, yet we are also many different parts of the one body the one group of people. So let's start by just reading a passage of scripture here. It's in Mark's gospel, I think, if I remember right. And it says here in Mark's gospel, chapter 14, it says, as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. This wasn't anything unusual. This was a normal thing, kind of like saying grace before your meal type of thing. What they would do in that culture is they would take bread, usually like a flat bread like pita or a chapati or naan bread or something like that. And they would bless the bread. That's how they would give thanks for the whole meal and break it. And um, so he took this bread, this, that they would do this at every meal, but they would especially do it at this meal, the Passover meal, once a year. He took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And he passed it out to everyone. And this was symbolic of the fact that as we take communion together, every one of us just takes one piece, one little piece of bread. But it all came from the one loaf. It was one loaf that was broken into small pieces and everyone gets a piece. And this is to symbolize the fact that there is one Savior, Jesus Christ. And yet we all get to receive Christ into our lives. And just like we all took one bit of bread symbolizing we're all individuals, we all came, it all came from one loaf symbolizing that we are one people. He broke it and he gave it to the disciples saying, take it for this is my body. Remember, Jesus is doing this right before he is betrayed and arrested and crucified and hung on the cross. And just like his body is going to be broken, this bread is broken. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them. And they all drank from it. And he said to them, 
This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice for many. I tell you the truth, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it anew in the kingdom of God. And then they sang a hymn and they went out to the Mount of Olives. They sang a hymn. Worship was part of this whole communion thing. But Jesus, as he's instituting this last supper, the Lord's Supper, communion, he says, I will not do this again until I do it in the kingdom of God. Now, what does that mean? That phrase, the kingdom of God, is one of the most important phrases in the whole New Testament. Jesus, whenever he's teaching, whenever he's preaching, whenever he's storytelling, whenever he's telling a parable, he often, almost always says, the kingdom of God is like such and such a thing. And in our minds, we can, you know, sometimes picture the kingdom of God wrongly. What does that mean? I won't drink wine again until I drink it in the kingdom of God. Sometimes people think the kingdom of God means heaven. You know, like, kind of like, maybe we get this from, from uh, Sims, the Simpsons cartoons. You know those, those cartoons for Bart Simpson goes to hell and the devil's sitting on a little throne and hell. It's like hell is the kingdom of the devil and then heaven's the kingdom of God kind of thing. It ain't like that, okay? First of all, the devil ain't the king of anything, okay? There's only one king, and his name is Jesus Christ. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. But no, the kingdom of God isn't heaven. Sometimes we think that. I mean, like, do you think they've got grapes growing in heaven? And they've got angels that are especially set aside to produce wine? You know, is that what Jesus is saying? I'm not going to get a taste of this Chardonnay until I get into heaven. No, they don't have Chardonnay in heaven. I'm pretty sure of it. Um, No, that's not what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is wherever God is king. If God is king in your life, if you've opened your life to God, if his will is being done and his kingdom is coming in your life, then the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is wherever God is king. And we are all part of the kingdom of God. And Jesus is, what Jesus is saying here is, this is the last time, this is the first time that communion is happening. I am changing the Passover meal to communion. This is the first time communion is happening, but it's the last time I will take it until after my death and resurrection and the gospel goes forth, and people are gathered in from every nation, tribe, and tongue. When my church is gathered together, my community is there, my kingdom is there, and whenever they take communion, I will be there in the midst with them. Let's just look at another passage of Scripture. Can we put up the next one? It's in the book of Acts. And this is the very first time, this is just a few weeks later, after Jesus' death and resurrection, And he returns to heaven, and the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost, and the disciples begin to preach. And and in Acts chapter 2, it tells us that the very, very first time the Christian message was ever preached, it wasn't preached to one ethnic group, it wasn't preached to one culture, but the very first time was a sign that God was setting up a new community. It says that 
At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. Kind of sounds a little bit like Edmonton, doesn't it? There are people from every nation living in Edmonton. Do you know there, there are church services today happening all over Edmonton in different languages? I, I must just correct something that Pastor Drake said. Canadians don't speak Canadian, they speak English. Did you, <laughs> did you pick that up? don't know where he is. He's French, we will we'll excuse him, he doesn't. <laughs> so people don't just speak Canadian in Edmonton. There's even people who know how to speak English properly. I'm one of them myself. And then, <laughs> and every language group, there were people from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud voice, the loud noise, of people jumping up and down and singing in African. Whatever language, they don't speak African in Africa, do they? Swahili that was. They came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers and they were completely amazed and said, how can this be? They exclaimed. These people are from Galilee. And so, they're like, these Galileans are speaking in all the... The very first Christian miracle was a sign that God wanted to gather people from every language, every nation, every cultural background, every religious background, and bring them all in and form a new community, a new family, the kingdom of God. These people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene. They were very specific there. Did you notice that? They didn't just say Libya. Maybe some Libyans didn't like other Libyans and they wanted to emphasize, we're, we're from the Cyrene part. We're not from the, the other part. And visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. I think we've got the next slide as well. Do I have another one? Yeah. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things that God has done. That's what we got a taste of that today with the African ministry uh, that we're singing up here with the videos we've seen on the screen. We have heard people speaking in their own languages, yet all saying the same thing, that God is good, that God is doing something wonderful in their life, that they're excited to be part of this community, and that they are believing that even better things are going to happen in the future. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church, about 3,000 in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the sharing in meals, which you'll be able to do exactly after the service, taking the Lord's Supper, which we're about to do in a couple of minutes, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers, remember they came from many different cultures and many different language groups. But you know what they didn't do? They didn't say, that's the white people's church over there. And that's the 
First Nations church over there, and that's the Spanish-speaking church over there, and that's the Indonesian church over there. It says all these people gathered together in one place. And then it says here, um, and shared everything they had, especially with those who were in need. Isn't that an amazing picture for a congregation to model themselves on? People from all over the world who gather together in the nation of Canada. People from all over the world who have moved to the city of Edmonton. All kinds of people with, with exotic cultures and strange traditions from Newfoundland and places like that. And they all came together in the one place. All people from different languages, nations, and cultures gathered together in one room. And they ate together, and they prayed together, and they worshiped God together, and they took communion together. We see Jesus did it, we see the church did it, and this is what our future holds in store as well. Let's look at one last verse, the book of Revelation. Revelation says this, after this, this is a vision that John is having, I saw a vast crowd too great to count from every nation, tribe, and people, and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. This is what we're doing today. We are all here together. We probably can be counted, but I'm looking forward to the day that so many people are here that there's not enough room for them. There's not enough, there's not, you're not able to count them. And we're worshiping one God. We've come to one Father. We're saved by one Savior, Jesus, the Lamb of God. And, and look at this. Salvation comes from Him. But we're not just singing to God sitting on a throne away up there. It says, look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them. And they will be His people. And God Himself will be with Him with them. We're going to take communion now, and we're going to celebrate all the good things that God has done in our life. We're going to celebrate all the good things that God has done in this community. We're going to celebrate the fact that we live in a nation where it's legal for us to own a building like this, put on a service like this, and not have people come in with guns and bombs and try to stop us. We're going to celebrate all of those things. The fact that we are free politically, we are free spiritually, we are free from our sins, we are free in every way today. And if there's any area of your life that you don't feel free in, as we take communion, you give that over to God and ask him to liberate you and set you free. I'd like the ushers to get come with the communion. Andrew's coming up now. And I want us to just bow our heads and close our eyes. Before we pass the communion out, we're going to pray. Just still your heart. And as you do so, I want you to think 
about one or two or three things. Not that you, not things that are wrong that you want God to fix. Let's start off with things that you're grateful for, that you're thankful for. And in your heart, just be bringing them before God. We're thankful today, Lord, for all the good gifts you bring into our lives. You forgive all of our sins. You hear our prayers. You bring healing, guidance, provision, comfort and peace, hope for the future. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You never abandon us. You're here with us right now. By your spirit, you dwell deep within us and will never leave. No one can pluck us from your hands. We're safe with you, Lord. And we thank you for all of these things. We thank you for all of our brothers and sisters in this congregation. People that we would never come across or meet if we were all living our separate lives but you redeemed us you saved us you brought us into a family you, you made us your children and we're together here today we thank you for that we pray Lord over this bread and wine that we're about to take we ask that you would make yourself known to every one of us on an individual basis we ask that you would bind us together with bonds of love and unity that together we would not just be a gathering of individuals but we would be a community we would be a family we would be the family of God the army of the Lord the people of the kingdom in this place As we take this communion, let your cleansing, healing, redeeming power just flow through as we ask. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. The ushers are going to pass out the bread and wine. As you get it, just you can take it right away. Hold on to it for a moment. Pray some more. Just do take it whenever you feel ready.